The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The line between self-defense and assault. A horrible hit piece on Jared Kushner. And a miracle story you need to hear. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I have a jam-packed show for you today, and I want to start off by talking to you about something that is, I think is really important, because I'm looking at your culture from afar And I'm looking at the arguments that are happening on social media. And you're getting into this real mindset of sides. If you listen to this show a long time, you know I don't like sides. I like, to me, it's not left versus right or Republican versus Democrat. It's right versus wrong. And how you see things and how you act right now is absolutely crucial. And what you stand for... Or in this case, what you're willing to accept when it's quote-unquote your side. Or whether it's the lesser of two evils is absolutely key for your nation. Because your kids are watching. The world is watching. And most importantly, you're watching. How you act right now or how you don't act right now is going to be key. I want to talk to you about an incident that happened this week that has not been getting a lot of attention in the right way. And it hasn't been... I haven't seen much of a discussion around it. I've seen people glaze over this topic. And for me, it's absolutely critical. If you go and see the video of where the young boys... or the proud boys, sorry, brawled with Antifa this week... Go watch that video where they actually have the security footage of actually looking at that brawl. Because that's what I want to talk to you about. So, let's take a step back before I get to the brawl. One of the things, I'm criticized for many things for doing this show. I get told, John, you're Irish, go worry about Ireland, you know, leave America alone. We don't need you, you're fat, you're ugly, no, all this usual stuff. But one of the more common themes, apart from the insults, is, John, what you say just won't work. Because people invariably take what I talk about. When I talk about Martin Luther King winning and Malcolm X losing, when I talk about your founders, when I talk about principles, no matter how much I try and change the words, not the meaning, the words of what I say, there are certain people in society who take what I say as Just give up. Just turn the other cheek. Just let them beat the crap out of you and just walk away. And the thing I get all the time is, John, what about self-defense? You're the one who talks about self-defense all the time. 
What about self-defense? This is absolutely critical. And we're going to have a conversation about that right now. When it comes to self-defense, I am the first person there to say, you have a right to defend yourself. I will even go as far as to say, in the right scenarios, you have the right to use lethal force to defend yourself and those around you. I am absolutely crystal clear on this. This is not a, mm, eh, no, if, if there is a situation where you are fearing for your life or if you've got a, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or a partner and you've got young kids around and you're fearing for your life or someone you think has a gun and is threatening your very existence and your family existence, you have the right in certain occasions to use lethal force. However, there is a line. Likewise, if I turn up to you on the street and I start beating the crap out of you, you have a right to defend yourself. You have a right to punch back. You have a right to, to, to fight back. You have a right maybe to use even more force. You have a right to defend yourself. However, there is a line. There is a very crystal clear line in when it comes to self-defense. Let me tell you a personal story. Just to back this up before we get to what happened this week. That no one is really talking about. And if they are talking about it, they're making it political. Last year, I did a speaking tour. Last year, I went, last September, I spent nearly all of September traveling your wonderful nation. I gave, I think, 16 speeches in 10 different states. For most of those speeches, I was nervous about different things. Will people turn up? Will people like what I say? You know, you know. there was one speech I was terrified on 9-11. How do I speak? As I was speaking in Pennsylvania on 9-11. How do I do that? How do I hit the right note, the terms, the note, the, the tone of the speech? I, there was many things I was worried about. There was one speech I was really worried about. And I didn't let anyone know this. Because I don't draw attention to things. I'm very quiet and laid back. But the the speech I was most nervous about. And my mother was terrified of. Was the first speech. My first speech. Was in Duke University. On September 1st. Why was I nervous about speaking on Duke University? Well let's go remember the history. On the 1st of September... 2017 I was given a speech there on the 19th of August two weeks prior the Robert E. Lee statue was first of all vandalized and then it was removed by the students if you remember go look at the news reports if you want to believe me or you don't want you want to fact check me the news reports and the videos I saw were absolutely terrifying and my mother, I remember when she first saw it on the news, on Irish news, she was like, you're not speaking anywhere near there. I was like, actually, I'm speaking on that very campus. She was like, are you serious? Like, Absolutely. She's like, you're cancelling. You're not doing like, I'm not doing No, I'm not. First of all, I'm a nobody. Second of all, no one knows, you know, only young Americans, um, young YAF would know about it. But thirdly, if something happens, it'll all be okay. I get to North Carolina, I fly into New York, and then I fly down 
from New York to North Carolina to stay with a friend of mine. We made plans that night, the night before that speech. In fact, it's actually a funny story. The, all the plans that we made went out the window straight away because there was a plan of where he was actually supposed to speak in front of me and introduce me and you know give a 10-minute talk and then introduce me. We had made plans of you know what happens if the protesters are there, what happens if there's trouble on campus. We made plans of getting there early and you know knowing the exits and knowing exactly where we're parked. We made plans of you know if stuff goes down, how are we going to act, where are we going to meet. We made lots of plans. I'm not going to tell you all the plans we made just because we might use them again. But we made plans for every scenario. We made plans for there's a life-threatening situation. And we have to use force to get out of there. We have to protect ourselves. Now, why it's funny is because all those plans went out the window because it was going to be... We were driving onto another speech in Gastonia, which is like two hours drive. So we were supposed to go to Duke University, go give that speech, then drive to Gastonia and give another speech. Long story short, there was lots of problems that morning. Um, the person I was going with, his wife, had a few work problems. And invariably what happened was they dropped me at Duke University. Literally dropped me at Duke University. They left, both of them, all by myself. So I'm fully aware of self-defense. I was on high, high alert. I uh, got met by the, the person from YAF who was organizing the speech for me. And I was so, I don't know if he caught across, but I was nervous that day. I was like, I'm on high alert. You know, I'm not taking being as friendly as possible and I'm very reserved normally. But that day I was looking out at everyone. If people were running and they, you know, playing, I was just making sure they weren't coming towards me. Just, I was on heightened alert. I had plans that if something happened, I was going to be prepared. There is a difference. The difference is, how do I, I, I've been trying to think about how to say this all week. Because, you know, invariably guys will be guys and you always sound macho. You know, look, if someone came near me, I'd beat the crap out of them. I'm a tough guy. And that's not me. So I don't know how to say this, but as someone who's been around... If there's a situation where we got to throw soup bones and it has to happen, I'm okay with that. I know how to protect myself. Now, I know some people would say, well, John, you're a fat boy. You know, what, what could you do? I'm just going to say this. I've been around. I'm not going to chase you. But if it gets to the point of, hey, I'm, I'm fearful of what's going to happen and I need to defend myself, I'm, I'm good to go. I, I know how to look after myself. Again, I'm not going to run after you. So, I'm just going to leave it at that. But here's the thing. I'm all for self-defense. I'm not some choir boy who has never thrown a fist in their life. You know, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not that person. Every time I've thrown a fist has been in self-defense. But here's the thing where we need to have a conversation about what happened this week. Because what I would say to you is, go look at the video yourself and ask, was that self-defense? Because I think it is not self-defense. You see, for all the things that happened at Duke University and all the preparation we did, we all set these up as, okay, what happens if this happens? What happens if there's protesters? What happens if, you know, protesters use force, if they use tear gas, whatever they were using? If they start tearing down other statues and you're around, what are you going to do? 
invariably, everything came back down to one simple thing. We will defend ourselves and we will leave. And then we will go to the police, whether they are on site, depending where the event happened, incident happened, or we would call 911 or we would go to the local police department. That was the whole thing. Every, there was different scenarios and, and different cases we went through, but that was the plan. What happened in the video between the Proud Boys and Antifa, none of that happened. What happened was, Proud Boys are meeting. Look, I'm not going to defend the Proud Boys. I, I've done some research on them. I don't know whether they're, I don't know what they're like. And I'm not here to defend them or, or attack them. Also, I don't like it defending or attacking groups because groups are made up of individuals. And it's quite possible to have a group of good, honest people and just have a few people who share the same ideology with you who turn up and kind of go, hey, let's make a bit of fun. Let's beat a few people up. So I don't like casting stones. I don't like this idea of let's, let's judge a group by a handful of individuals unless they're defending them. Unless they're promoting them, that's how we do things. So what happens? Well, Gavin McGinn's, who's a host at CRTV, who I don't know, never had any dealings with, so I can't tell you any inside baseball whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. I do disagree with him on a lot of stuff. For example, I believe Martin Luther King won. He believes Malcolm X was better. I disagree with him on a lot of other things as well. But that's cool. That's, it's, we're okay. It's okay to agree to disagree. He's given a speech. Should Antifa have done what they did? No. Absolutely not. Antifa were wrong. Antifa were very wrong. All this anarchy and all, you know, what I always find funny is Antifa, you know, who want more government, who like the Democrats, who want communism, go around, you know, spray painting the big A for anarchy. It's like, have you understood exactly what you're standing for? Because that A that you stand for, anarchy, is the exact opposite to what you want. I know you want to tear the system down, but just think about things through. Because you're more, you know, communist, shall we say, not anarchy. Then it gets to the street and there's protesters and they, they, they cause all these issues in New York. But the video, so there's a confrontation. I think there's about four or five, the video's hard to say, four or five people from Antifa. And they throw something at the Proud Boys. And there's quite a few Proud Boys, because you see them getting into the shot. Now, first off, should Antifa have thrown the object? No. However, here's the thing. It's about self-defense, right? How can you make a case that someone threw something at you and is standing there, not running at you, not attacking you, that you're fearful for your life. Now, I heard reports that they were throwing urine and a load of other stuff. I can't, verif- I can't confirm or deny this. But let's say it's true. Is that nice? No. Is it, should it be done? No. Is it respectful? No. Would it annoy you? Yes. Especially if it hit you. That's just disgusting. It's vile. Are you fearful for your life? Are you fearful for your safety at that point? No. I'm not. I do, I do what I would do. I would discreetly leave as quickly as possible. Because I'm not making a case for fighting. I'm making a case for self-defense. But then it gets into a fisticuff where they, the Proud Boys storm at the Antifa Boys. They respond. 
and then let's say let's say okay it is self-defense them responding to the to the jar okay let's make that case i disagree but let's just say play along here for a second it gets involved in kicks and punches so you're fearful for your life and you're making a right to say i have a right to defend myself which i agree with you have a right to defend yourself but at what point does self-defense start and stop and assault start is it a case of, hey, if you hit me, I have the right to pummel you and not stop because I'm fearful for my life? You know, I remember the old days, and again, I'm only in my, I feel really old lately because I feel like in the old days of how we were growing up, I feel like I'm saying this an awful lot lately, you know, on this show and to other people. But I remember when we were in school, you know, boys will be boys, and I went to all boys' schools, and, you know, there was a lot of fights. You know, not, I wasn't on all. I wasn't in very many of them. Thank touch wood. But lots of people fought. There was the old rule that you know you fight. It's you know kind of like a hockey fight. You know the way you have hockey fights in the NHL. You know you have the big drama, the big dance where okay, you, you want to fight? Okay, I'm gonna throw down my stick and then I'm gonna throw down my gloves and we we'll, you know we'll shimmy a bit and then we'll fight. And what would happen is you'd fight and ever who got knocked down lost. Ever who was stable standing won. That was the end of it. Now, there was the odd time where the person who lost took it seriously and then got back up and then started round two. And then ever who got knocked down, won and lost. That was the old rule. That is the rule of self-defense. If someone comes at you and you knock them down, you stop. That's not what happened in this brawl. I counted two people who got knocked to the ground who were clearly Antifa. And after they got knocked down, after getting punched and kicked and got knocked down to the ground... One of them went on top of someone, punched him at least six times, got up, and then kicked him seven times in the back and in the head. There was another fight where another Antifa guy was hit, fallen to the ground after being hit, and he got punched at least eight times, and then forearmed on the top of the head, where you're, where you're actually literally trying to do some damage. So in case you're not familiar with these terms, a punch is right to the face. Um, A forearm, if you go watch it, you'll see it clearly. But if you don't want to watch violence, it's literally where you get on top of someone and you're literally driving the tip of your elbow onto the top of the crane. You're trying to do serious damage. There was at least four of them in this attack. At what point does self-defense turn into assault? And at what point are you going to call it out? Because right now, these two groups, Antifa are not good people. Antifa are not good actors. There's no dispute, and I'm not here to defend Antifa. I think Antifa, there are large parts of it that are scum. Like, if you're throwing urine at someone, you're scum. If you, I saw a meme out this way where, you know, to resist the resistance of Donald Trump, you know, on election day, go take a poop in the street. I think you're scum. I don't care what side you are. I don't care if you're fighting for the Constitution. If your answer is take a, a shit in the street, you're, you're wrong. I don't care. It's about principles. I believe in the right to self-defense. If someone approaches you, you have a right to defend yourself. If someone approaches you to really do serious harm and you're in danger, you have a right to potentially use lethal force, especially if you've got family around. But there is a line where defense becomes assault. 
There is a line where defense becomes assault. Because what I did not see from this video was anyone escaping. Anyone going calling the cops. What I saw was two groups, two sections of two groups, going at it. And let's just beat the ever-living crap out of each other. Is that what you want, America? Is that who you want to become? I would choose very, very carefully. Because here's the truth. Everyone loves to pay attention to the mainstream media as if they have some power. I don't think they do. I think both sides overestimate the power the media has. I wish people would just stop talking about the mainstream media. But let's say they actually have power. How do you think this is going to be portrayed? If you truly want to win, let me speak to you in language that you might understand. If you want to win, you've got to fight smart. You've got to understand, when it comes to the media, you're fighting with one hand behind your back. If you really want to win, it's fight smart. There's a reason Martin Luther King won, and I'm sorry that people don't like this, but he won. When people were, like Malcolm X, were going, let's go get Whitey, he was crossing a bridge where the argument was there was no attack on him. You couldn't say Martin Luther King was an aggressor. You couldn't say he was a mob. He was peaceful. And there's a reason why the American people sided with Martin Luther King. There's a reason why 25% of the people who turned up to the mall to listen to say Martin Luther King, say I have a dream, were white. Because their cause became everyone's cause. It wasn't a black cause. It was an American cause. And the same is true today. It is not a left cause or a right cause. It is a freedom cause. It is a constitutional cause. It is the laws of nature cause. Which affects everyone. You need to do some soul searching. Because if you're silent on this issue... Or if you draw the lines of, hey, you know, you know, if someone attacks you, you can do anything you want. You will lose. And you will lose, if I may quote your president, bigly. Because the American people, unless you have changed in the last year, are good, honest, noble people. And if they see these mobs, they will go, I choose neither. And yet again, the American people who are good, honest and decent people won't have a choice to choose for it will be the lesser of two evils it will once again be sophie's choice do i choose the proud boys or do i choose antifa what happens to the american people who are who they have now called coined the exhausted majority what happened who do they choose it is up to us to give them a choice where we say neither this is the path This is the path forward. This is how we fight. Something to think about, America. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm pretty active on social media. Um, When I'm around, I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. And Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Also, this show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. We're all on major platforms. We're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, we're on iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Omni FM, Stitcher FM, 
Um, if you happen to listen to an app, please subscribe to it. Especially if you listen on an app like iTunes, subscribe. Please leave us a rating. Please leave us a review. If the reason we ask for this every week is because iTunes, like Facebook and other social media, is an algorithm. And the more reviews you get, the more ratings you get, the the higher up you appear in feeds. And this show is growing each and every week. And I, I just thank you so much for that. I want to talk to you about, continue on your talking about what country you want to live in. For too often in the media and in life, we are focused on the past. What America was. I know people love to tell me today that the America I talk about never really existed. It's a common theme on, on all sides in funny ways. Where I talk about capitalism or free to market economics, when I talk about the constitution... You're seeing major attacks. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be dealing with that because the left are starting to reveal themselves. And yes, it's the left, not liberal. There is a difference. Where they're now starting to hedge their bets and they're starting to say different things. So they don't want the Supreme Court. They want the Supreme Court with more judges. They don't like the Electoral College. It should be scrapped. They don't like the House of Representatives. There should be more reps in the House of Representatives. They don't like the Senate. There should be more senators. They're saying both things from different camps all within the leftist ideology. They want to tear your constitution apart, and we're going to be doing stuff to make it so crystal clear why the constitution is so critical. That's in coming weeks. But your soul needs to be decided on who you want to be. Who do you want to be as a country? And how do you want to act? And this is a question not for just Republicans or Democrats or liberals or conservatives. It's for everyone. What country do you want to be a part of? What do you want your country to stand for? One of the troubling things that you are seeing right now, and it's just getting amped up and amped up and amped up. It's going on steroids right now. Is this culture of destroying people. This culture of, if you dare disagree with someone, we have to destroy them. I have socialist friends. I have people who, there are people who I communicate, who listen to this show, who tell me they disagree with 90% of what I say. But they listen because they actually, number one, because they want to hear a different side of things. But number two, because I engage with them. And it's never disrespectful. I can be friends with a socialist. Most of my family are socialists of some description. It's not personal. We just see the world very different. They're not my enemy. I don't seek to destroy them. But this culture that you're developing right now, and it's getting amped up by the day, is let's destroy everyone we don't like because they have a different opinion. You saw this as a prime spectacle two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago with Brett Kavanaugh. That was just disgraceful. Just use anyone you can to stop them. It's stop Brett Kavanaugh at all costs. Well, today I want to talk to you about something else that is even more troubling, maybe. Or it's as equally as troubling. Because if I may join a few dots, like this could be wrong. This is just my opinion. The article I'm going to read to you is a direct result because someone gave this person a compliment. Because I think the timing is just too suspicious, shall we say. There was an article in the New York Times, and I'm not going to read all of it to you, because honestly, anytime it's in the New York Times, you're going to you know, hit your head off a brick wall. But I want to read the highlights to you. 
This is a piece that was out on October 13th. And it's by Jesse Drucker and Emily Flitter. And here, and I quote, Over the past decade, Jared Kushner's family's company has spent billions of dollars buying real estate. His personal stock investments have stored. His net worth has almost 324 million. <gasps> He's a millionaire and billionaire. Let's get him, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get him. He must be destroyed. He's a millionaire. And he's not just a millionaire. He has 324 millions. <gasps> and yet, here comes the scandalous. Dun, dun, dun. And yet, for several years running, Mr. Kushner, President Trump's son-in-law and a senior White House advisor, appears to have paid almost no federal income taxes. According to confidential financial documents reviewed by the New York Times. His low tax bills are the result of a common, common tax minimizing maneuver that year after year has generated millions of dollars in losses for Mr. Kushner. But the losses were only on paper, because Mr. Kushner and his family did not appear to lose any money. The losses were driven by depreciation, which is a tax benefit that lets real estate investors deduct a portion of the cost of their buildings from their taxable income every year. They went on and gave an example. In 2015, for example, Mr. Kushner took home 1.7 million in salary. Do you hate him enough yet? Because he's worth 324 and in 2015, he took home 1.7 million. Do you hate him enough? He's a millionaire and a billionaire. And investment games. But those earnings were swamped, swamped by 8.3 million of losses. Largely because of significant depreciation that him and his company took on their real estate. Mr. Kushner, do you hate him yet? Because he's a millionaire and a billionaire, and also he doesn't pay his taxes. If I may quote your last president, it sounds to me like Mr. Kushner isn't paying his fair share. Now, let's talk about this, shall we? First of all, the reason I think this has come out is because Nikki Haley actually credited him as been a genius or some description when she was leaving for, you know, standing down as the UN chief. I'm two and two. I could be coming, coming up, could be answering five, but two and two says to me, that's one of the reasons he's going to be attacked. Number two, who do you want to be as a country? Do you actually want to debate someone about their ideas, about what they stand for? Look, when it, I don't know enough about Jared Kushner to, to comment but he doesn't strike me, nor does many people in D.C., in fact, strike me as the person who, you know what, me and John are going to have a lot of agreements. We're, yeah, we're going to... I don't see Jared Kushner as the guy who's all about the Constitution. I don't see Jared Kushner as a guy who's all about principles. Maybe I could be wrong, but it just doesn't strike me as that type of guy. Either does Ivanka. They seem like decent people. They seem like a decent family. But... When it comes to principles and the way I see America, I don't see us having much in common. But here's the thing. Everyone will make this about Jared Kushner. The issue here is twofold for me. First off, should your taxes be made public? Because as a constitutionalist, I know that word, I actually mean it. You know, I believe you have a right to be secure in your persons and your papers. At what point does someone have a right to see your tax returns? At what point does someone have a right to see how much money you make? 
Now, obviously, because of the culture America is, there's all these reports on how much money you're worth and, you know, you can put two and two together. But is it is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to have a definite number? That you actually look at someone's tax returns? Like, how, how would you like it if I got access to your tax returns? Would you be like that? Would you be happy about that? And I know people will always say, well, John, 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 look, I may not like getting someone's tax returns, but... Hey, you know, if you've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? The problem is, they're my tax returns, they're between me and the federal government, and I don't want anyone else seeing them. But what are you hiding? I'm not hiding anything. I'm squeaky clean, I just don't want other people to see it. Is there anything wrong with that sentiment? Do you want people working in D.C. who are good people, and but also what you respect their right to privacy? Do you want to have that? Or do you only want the worst of the worst people in D.C.? Because I asked you a question. If you're a good, honest, decent person right now, and let's, let's not make this about any politician, but imagine your government comes calling you, whether you're left or right. Your government comes calling you and says, I need you on the Supreme Court. I need you to serve in the White House. I need you to do this job. I need you to be an ambassador overseas. Are you doing it? Is it really worth putting your yourself through it? Your family through it? Your kids through it? Is it really worth the character assassination? Is that a healthy culture? Because here's the second thing that's very, very important to remember. And it's in paragraph 1, 2, 3, 4... Five, paragraph five, you know, because we all know people read every paragraph in the New York Times because their articles are just so scintillating. They're so scintillating. They're awesome. I'm living on every word they say. But in paragraph five is the key, key term of this article. Nothing in the document suggests Mr. Kushner or his company broke the law. A spokesman for Mr. Kushner's lawyer said that Mr. Kushner had, quote, paid all taxes due, end quote. So what was the purpose of this article? The purpose of this article was to get their pound of flesh. Was, in my opinion, again, I could be wrong, because Nikki Haley said he was a genius or very underrated. And you can't have someone in the Trump administration actually be, you know, genius or actually be underrated. You know, we have to destroy everyone because he's Donald Trump's son-in-law. We got to hate him. I don't, know, I don't know anything about him, but we just have to hate him. And then, you know, especially if you're on the left and you just hate people for anything, and then you find out he, he's worth $324 million, I have to hate him even more. And in 2015, he took home $1.6 million, I have to hate him even more. He's one of those millionaires and billionaires. I'm oppressed by him and his money. You have to hate him. But here's the troubling part. I have no respect for the New York Times or these are these authors because all they did was a political hit piece. You see, when you make things about people and parties and politicians, it gets personal. The aim of this article is not to have an honest conversation. It's just to destroy Jared Kushner. I could actually have respect for this article if they had different intents, but the chances are it wouldn't have been read 10% of the amount of times this article, I guarantee you, was read. Because we got to hate Jared Kushner. This is a, he, he might not have. He didn't pay any federal income tax over the last couple of years. 
the article that could have had respect and could have actually started this conversation would have been, hey guys, look, here's the problem, right? We have a tax code right now and there's many good things and many bad things about the tax code, but there's one problem that I think is a problem, and I'm not saying this is me, the host, I'm saying this as you know, a, a New York Times writer. And that problem is that there are people who are you know, earning lots of money, who are, we're living in this major bubble where prices are going up, house prices are going up, property prices are going up, and we're letting people gain lots of money and not pay an income tax because we have this law that allows them to depreciate their buildings every year for wear and tear. I think we need to look at that law. How about we have a conversation about that? Okay, cool. Mention no names, don't make it political. Let's have a debate around the idea. Let's have a debate around the conversation. I know where I stand on that issue. You know, if you're a long-term listener, it doesn't take too long to figure out where I stand on that issue. Or it shouldn't. But that's a conversation we can have. We need to start having these conversations about ideas. And actually having honest conversations. I know people don't like that word, having honest conversations. Where we actually discuss, okay, let's discuss the principle. I would respect that. But this article does none of that. This article is just a pure hit piece. It's to get you to hate Jared Kushner because he's the bad guy. Because he's Donald Trump's son-in-law and he works for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump himself is Satan. And we must do anything we can to stop Satan. America, you have a lot of decisions to make going forward. What country do you want to be? Do you want to be the country that destroys people who serve it's not about ideas, it's all about your personality and your taxes and you know, can you be can you be hung in the court of public opinion? And what culture do you want to be when it comes to self-defense and attacking people? I've said this so many times over the last couple of weeks, but I firmly believe it and I'm saying it because America needs this choice right now. America does not need more Sophie's choices. America needs what the American people always do when they respond best. When they see real good and real evil. We must give the American people the choice, the opportunity, always to choose real good. And not the lesser of two evils. And not political hack jobs like this in the New York Times. Shame on you, New York Times, for writing this hit piece. You could have made an honest attempt at a substantive the base you chose the latter because that is all you know how to do you can't explain or defend your ideology or your ideas all you can do is attack people and that is so sad don't go anywhere america we'll be right back Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before we get to a story, I'm really excited to tell you about that. You probably have not heard um, of a really real hero, of a man doing real good work. I have a couple of housekeeping notes to just to give you an update on. Firstly, thank you for everyone who's continuing to purchase hoodies from our site, freedomsdisciple.com slash store. We have two hoodies right now. There's more coming. I just need to finalize the designs. One is America Making the Impossible Possible Since 1776. The second one is Never Personal, Always Principles, which is pretty much the motto of this show and how I try and operate. 
in case you haven't seen them or go check them out freedomsdisciple.com slash store all 100% profits go to Mercury One, which are doing great work with standing for persecuted minorities, for Christians in the Middle East, just doing amazing, amazing work. So thank you for, for joining us. And we've raised, you know, it's a nice sum of money so far. And the next goal is $1,000. And hopefully by Christmas we'll reach that. Second thing of housekeeping, you just want to let you know, we've this show is growing each and every week, every month. September was our best ever month, and for that I am so thankful. We're also at finding new places to to put our show on. We're also now on uh, Spotify and Overcast, so um, welcome to those listeners to tuning in each week. Uh, A new show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Third and final piece of housekeeping before I get to this amazing story I want to share with you. We're making major changes behind the scenes at The Blaze and with the show. So, because this show is growing each and every week, we want to continue that growth and we want to just, you know, tinker a few things. So, going forward, uh, this Saturday show is going to be slightly shorter each and every week. Instead of having four segments and, you know, maybe 60, 90 minutes worth of content, it's going to be three segments and about 15, 16 minutes of segments. No more than 50 minutes. Uh, Each and every week, they're excited about this. The reason for this, without giving you the... The boring, you know, details of why things like this happen is there's a lot of research out there of how people listen to podcasts, how long they listen to, what's the happy medium. So there's a lot of research that says about 45 minutes is the ideal length for a podcast. So we're growing and we want to hit as many people as possible. We want to just focus in on real principles, on real things that matter. There's stories that I've talked to you about this week. You'll notice I didn't mention Elizabeth Warren and all that baloney and horse face and stormy daniels and donald trump i i want to talk to you about principles i want to talk to you about a lot of important stuff and next week's show you don't want to miss it's about big government gone crazy so that's what's going to happen also i've signed on i currently write for glenn beck so i'm going to be doing a lot more writing for his site glenbeck.com so check us out there you'll see a lot more of my writings there we're going to get a message out of principles of goodness and honesty and about why america is an exceptional nation to more people than ever before and i cannot do it without you this is not an effort to make me money everything i do is voluntary it is about making the case of why your country is fundamentally exceptional so final story i want to share with you today and it's a story i guarantee you not many have heard and it's a fabulous story so one of the questions i get asked when i go out and i go to speaking or when i'm engaging with people is you seem to have so much optimism for people that you know you talk about the individual so much why is that the fundamental short answer is because individuals are amazing You have the capacity to change the world, regardless of who you are listening, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your age, your sex, your background, who you want to sleep with, who you do sleep with, all the different things. None of that matters. You have the capacity to change the world. And I believe that every one of us has a purpose on this planet. I believe you have a, a sense of duty, and I believe if you follow that purpose, you will achieve great things in your life i'm not saying you'll get rich or all the things that people would assume is greatness that i mean you will have a fulfilling life if you do what your purpose is and you find your purpose i want to highlight a quick story to you of a of an amazing guy who proved this it's a guy called dr mohammed christie and he's a doctor and he serves out in the middle east or not in the middle east in asia 
and in different places like Bangladesh and Ethiopia. And he tells a story one night where he's a doctor in this kid's hospital. And this, it was a really bad night. And three kids died on him. Now, can you imagine being a doctor and seeing three kids die on you? It must be horrific. But one of the biggest killers in the underdeveloped regions of the world is pneumonia. To show you how bad pneumonia is, it kills more people than HIV, AIDS, malaria, and measles combined. Let me say that again. Pneumonia kills more people than HIV, AIDS, malaria, and measles combined. That shows you how much of a serious case it is. Now, normally when you get pneumonia, one of the things that you need is you need oxygen. You need your lungs need to function. And the the simple answer is you get on a ventilator. But these ventilators cost $15,000 a pop. As you can imagine, that's a lot of money anywhere. But in, you know, more underdeveloped countries, that's a major obstacle. So he has this rough night where three kids die in him. And he's like, this cannot happen. We need to find a solution. What was his solution? Honestly, nothing short of pure and utter genius. He worked on a solution where he found out that if he got a shampoo bottle, and there's actually a video on Facebook of him doing this, it's a shampoo bottle and you obviously have to sterilize it, and he gets a ruler and he measures out the inches on the, the shampoo bottle, he fills it with water, puts a hole in it, and then you know the thing that goes up your nose and around your thing? and around your head to keep where you breathe you put that into the water and what he found is that as the patient exhales it creates a positive water pressure which then encourages the lungs to stay open so we've gone from a ventilator a kid needing a ventilator that costs fifteen thousand dollars to a bit of tubing water something to make a hole in the shampoo bottle and a and a bottle shampoo bottle that's used and ever how much it costs to sterilize it see how much thing has changed this has been so successful that roughly the people they've used it on that the death rate has been cut by 75 percent 75 percent just thinking of having a really bad situation where three kids died on them from pneumonia to think how can we fix this how, how can we make this better coming up with this idea They're going through trials right now, and they're going out to Ethiopia and Bangladesh, and they're hoping that if it passes the trials, they'll be able to make this available to other nations, to other places, to other hospitals. The stats that he shares about his hospital are just incredible. If you can imagine, this would be incredible for an American hospital, but if you can imagine another underdeveloped country, this is huge. He said in the hospital he was in, roughly they spent about $30,000 on air. After this invention, they now spend six. Can you imagine that changing that in the budget? Even in America, can you imagine changing your budget from $30,000 on air, on oxygen, down to six? Now multiply that in the, in the underdeveloped countries. That is the story of Muhammad Christie. A hero who saw a really bad thing happening, was motivated to change, didn't look and go, well, the governments, what can the government do? I wonder if the government could commission a report to fix this. There's too many kids dying. I wonder what the government could do. Now he went and did it himself. That is why I am so hopeful for the future.
if we can get rid of all this political garbage and we can start focusing in on the individual. Look, individuals are good and bad. They come in all shapes and sizes. Not every individual is good. They're really bad people. We spoke about them in the first segment of the show. People from Antifa. But deep down, a lot of people just want to help each other. And putting people in a situation where you empower them, that is what we need to do today. We need people not to feel like victims. We need people to not feel like, well, it's someone else's responsibility. We need people not to feel like, well, I, I'm only me. I can't change the world. I'm just, I'm just me. We need to empower people to say, you can change the world. That it doesn't matter about your background. You have greatness inside of you. Now go do it. And to encourage them. And if they fail, which people will do, to pick them up and say, look, you failed. It didn't work. Next time it will. And maybe they failed that time, but then you keep encouraging them. Failure is not a bad thing. One of my favorite quotes is, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways that didn't work. That mindset, we need to change our mindsets and share people with people a positive energy. We need to share with people and inspire them and encourage them to be better selves, to be a better tomorrow, to see a need in society and to change it. This story is amazing. I'd encourage you to check it out. It'll be on my social media over the weekend. Check it out. Just look at the story. That is an amazing story and it should be something we celebrate. It should be something that we focus in on kind of going, look, I know the world has major problems. And yeah, look, you know, you could all get $15,000 ventilators and stuff. But no, let's fix us. Let's fix us. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited for the future, for these future shows. Please share it with your family and your friends. This show is growing. I said September was our best ever month. God willing, October will be even better. I can't do it without you. I want to salute the way we finish the way each and every week saluting your police your firefighters your emergency personnel and most importantly your vets and lastly if you heard nothing i said today or if you disagree with everything never forget this america is great because americans are good america is great because americans are good until next saturday at 12 noon eastern have a great week america and don't forget to encourage and inspire someone god bless Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.